Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Optive Theology Podcast. My name is Andy Schmidt, and I'm here with Mike Beresford. He's a head pastor, or not head pastor, associate pastor over at High Point Church in Madison, Wisconsin. He works with with Nick, who's usually on this podcast, and uh, he he probably could be the head pastor, but he allows Nick to to be the head pastor for now. Uh, <laughs> Good to be with you, Andy. Yeah, so. So today we're we're going to be talking about marriage and 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 what the purpose of marriage is. I think as a lot of younger people, including myself, start get, I mean getting married and 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 doing their first year of marriage and their first several years of marriage, things get more complicated because the relationships that you have um, with your wife or husband is now just you know it's now you're now locked down. You're you're married and you're settled down. You're living together. And tensions can rise and things can get frustrating. And so I've heard that there's there's some younger people who are Christians who have just kind of gotten frustrated and discouraged in their first couple of years of marriage. And I felt like we should just do a podcast to talk about the purpose of marriage, getting back to the idea of, of what marriage actually is biblically and what Jesus meant for it to be and, and what it is. And so um, I, I found the person who who has been married the longest out of all the people that I know. And that was, that was Mike. And, uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about. Um, Mike, I mean, I kind of told everybody like who you are, but there's, I know you did some other things throughout your life that that can qualify you for this. So do you want to just give a little bit more of an uh, intro to who you are? Sure. So uh, Estelle and I have been married for 46 years and that's a long time. Yeah. Um, we actually, after about seven years of marriage, uh, did a marriage retreat or conference type thing called Let's Talk, because mm-hmm. we found out early on that talking is pretty much the primary tool that you have yeah. to do anything. Yeah. You know, from buying groceries to having sex. I mean, you. Right. Talking is is critical, and right. and over the years we have, um, I don't know how I don't think it was ever planned, but kind of fell into this marriage topic. Yeah. Um, over the last three or four years, uh, Essel and I have walked about a hundred couples through an engagement pre engagement class or engagement mm-hmm. premarital class. And we were just talking yesterday about maybe having another class and you had to be married one to three years to be in it Mm -hmm. because you're absolutely right. Um, All of a sudden I'm not dating anymore. I'm no longer best foot forward. I'm waking up to this person who doesn't have their grooming done. There's a mess. Their breath is terrible. Yeah. Hasn't shaved. And I'm supposed to, love them. And, yeah. and there's just a whole lot of other things that play into this that, um, are difficult. And it, it's not been all roses for us and I, I'm not the easiest person in the world to, to live with and be pretty headstrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there's been some things that we've learned that have made it really good yeah, and given us a, a peaceful home and an opportunity to, to really speak into a lot of couples lives early marriage pre-marriage later in marriage 
Yeah. And we find it to be really good. It can yeah. be really good. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I agree. I think you, you and Estel kind of did premarital counseling with, with Andrea and I, and I feel like we've got similar, I feel like our marriages, obviously you guys have been married longer, but I feel like it's made up of similar personality types. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, I think that that's just interesting, but, um, and we're, we're obviously in within the first like four, four months. Yeah. I think we just <laughs> four months, two days ago. So, um, I, I think the way that we could break this podcast up is talking about the two way, the, talking about how, you know, men can start to get lazy after marriage and, and how women can start to, I mean, before marriage can kind of build up expectations for marriage that might, that might not help when you're actually in the marriage. Um, and so we can start with men because, because we're both guys um, and I think that we connect I mean, we might connect on this way, but I know that when I was doing some premarital counseling with Tom Flaherty is a, he's a pastor at, at city church here in Madison. He, you know, I would meet with him and he, him and I are, are pretty similar and, and we're both pretty competitive guys. And he was like, look, like you can't let this dating and engagement just be this competition where when you get married that's the trophy and that's the prize and then you've accomplished it and then now you're not now you're done now you're done with all that and now you can go back to doing whatever you were doing beforehand like you can go back to pursuing your own things and act the way you wanted to act or whatever and he's like no like this whole thing needs to be a pursuit from 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 like beginning of your marriage to death um and so that was helpful for me because I I think a lot of guys, including myself, can be very competitively driven driven in marriage to figure out you know how, how can I win like I how, like everything's about winning and so um, and then after you get married you can get really lazy with that because you accomplish the goal and now you don't need to care about your wife anymore now you don't need to take her out on dates now you don't need to do all this stuff because you got the trophy and it's a very objectifying way of viewing wives and women and marriage. And so I, I think we'll start with this because, because I, I mean, because we're both guys. So I, I guess what, what are your initial thoughts on that, on that mindset? And also how can you, how can you see that um, being combated, especially in those first couple of years of marriage? So if I can take it back a step even further. Yeah. Um, Culture has changed a lot since we got married 46 years ago. Yeah. And the biggest word today is me. And so we come into marriage today, or you can come into marriage without even recognizing that it's not me anymore. It's we, there's an us in this. And, and that speaks to the, to what you've, you've talked about, but Culture itself is inundated our, you know, I'm the individual, I'm important, my life matters type mentality. Mm-hmm. And yet on top of that, the competitive thing, and it gets downhill pretty quick. Um, yeah. One of the th- reasons that Christian marriage is, is so important is marriage in itself, you know, you take two people incredibly different, um, desired by each other, but still on different wavelengths, put them together and expect it to work. Yeah. No, because we're selfish. Right. 
Yeah. We want to win. We mm-hmm. want we want it my way. I want all the comforts I had before marriage. Now. And, and as the comforts I expected in marriage. Right. Now. Yeah. So well, what was God doing? It seems like he must have screwed up. And so you've got to take into account the nature of man when you talk about marriage. Yeah. Because without Christ in it, it it's doomed. Right. And but let's talk about what happens when Christ is in it. Now, yeah. a lot of Americans are really good, not just men, women too, at compartmentalizing their relationship with Christ apart from their life. Mm-hmm. So I go to church on Sunday and I'm this Christian and I sing and I pray and I listen to the sermon. Then I right. go home and I yell at my husband or I yell at my wife and I kick the dog because I'm frustrated. Right. And we go to work. We don't like our work. We're frustrated there. Yeah. We go back to church and we repent and we do it all over. <laughs> yeah. And it becomes this cycle that's really difficult. Well, that's not being a Christian. Yeah. That's being church. That's being religious. Yeah. If you're a Christian, then you can't compartmentalize Jesus out of anything. Right. You simply are. You're transformed. You're not added to. So as I come into marriage now, one of the key components of, of being a Christian is understanding the fact that I am loved by God so much that I don't have to perform for him. Mm-hmm. I'm satisfied in him. Now, it doesn't mean I don't want the romantic love of my wife. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. I don't want the companionship. I want those things. But my mm-hmm. inner person is satisfied. Mm-hmm. Now I'm free to love this person. Mm-hmm. I'm free to love this stranger. I think I know her. But all of a sudden we get married and it's like she's a different person because yeah. things changed. Yeah. You know, I do see her at her worst. I see her at her best too. But the worst starts to gnaw on me. Yeah. And I forget well, that she sees the worst in me right. equally. I was going to say, when you're dating, you see her at her best like almost every time because you're going out like to dinner and, right. you know, like she's dressed up nice and you guys are both acting nice and then you get married. And it's something that you don't even probably really think about that, you know, you don't even think about it outside, outside, like when you're just dating that when you get married, this person is not going to always like be really dressed up really nice and like all over you and wanting to hear about all your ideas and things like that. You know, they, they're going to like be doing work and hanging out and reading a book. I don't, it's just an interesting, it is, it's weird. Cause when it, you know, I, you don't think about that that much. Yeah. So. And one of the things that we also learn about being Christian is sacrifice mm-hmm. or you can insert the word suffering. What that means is giving up something of yourself for something else or for somebody else. Mm-hmm. If if you went to law school, it's a lot different than undergrad. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you have to give yourself up right. so you can study, so you can gain this certain thing. Marriage is much like that. You know, mm-hmm. you talk about being competitive and then it's over. No. It just started. Mm-hmm. It's not over. 
You just right. got to the game. Everything else was yeah. warm up. And now to stay in the game, I'm going to give myself up. The two mm-hmm. become one. Does, does that mean I'm less of myself? No, but it means I'm going to make choices because I'm whole in Christ. Giving that up isn't going to affect me. Here's right. something that's really important to understand, I think. Our, our decisions are important. We make a bunch a day. But what are our decisions? Well, the important decisions are value-based. Where do values come from? Our faith. Mm-hmm. Our right. faith defines our values. And, and that's why Christians should marry Christians. Right. When two religions gets mixed up, the value-based decisions become at odds. And there's just a constant fight. If our values match, the rest of the decisions are usually preferences. Yeah. Well, if I understand what Christ did for me to give me my life, that is, can be guilt-free. I can understand forgiveness. I can uh, have joy in difficult circumstances. I can have hope. I'm impressed through this. I should have a glimpse, at least, a somewhat understanding of giving myself up right. for something else. Yeah. I'm free to do that now because I'm fully loved. I can love yeah. you without um, needing to get a lot back. Now, mm-hmm. love is reciprocal, and there should be a give and take. No, no argument right. there. And so I get to come into this recognizing that I chose you and you chose me. Therefore, we're going to work it out together. Yeah. There's no longer this, you know, the big thing in all the marriage vows is to become one. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a weird concept. Right. But it's true. Right. It's in that I'm going to give myself up because I love you. Yeah. That's a choice. I'm well, I feel like some, some people can think of the two become one as a more sexual term. To become one, you have sex, and what you're saying, right, is like, if it's just sexual, then it's probably nothing. Like, like actually, it to becoming one is 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 literally in everything, and I think that's where some of the confusion comes, especially for men, is where we're very sexual beings, and you know we're like, oh yeah, two, like we we became one, you know, last night, and not today though, right? Like we <laughs> we'll see if it happens again tonight, and like I think yeah. that that's that can become kind of the mindset where where the two becoming one can can only happen um, when you're having sex, and I, obviously that's not the way that got intended but no and and the reason that marital sex is better than single sex and i don't mean in performance but i mean in sure the the contentness the security it brings uh, the oneness it brings um, right sex without being united um emotionally socially economically legally right uh it's all those things Right. Continued sex in a marriage is the celebration of the oneness. It's mm-hmm. not the oneness. It's the celebration of it. Right. The oneness is my choice to live life with you, not as mm-hmm. me and you, but as us. Yeah. I'm no longer. How, how can I serve you? Right. How can I work with? How can I be the person that God uses for your betterment? 
Yeah. And do I actually believe that God is going to use my spouse to better me? Mm-hmm. Is she really a gift from God or a tormentor? Mm-hmm. You know, a well, part of it yeah. depends on the del- delivery system. Yeah. You know, it can be that, right. but yeah. it's not meant to be. Right. You're both meant to be vessels in the hands of the Redeemer to mm-hmm. encourage one another and to become more like God created you to be. Yeah. And marriage is a great testing ground for that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, a hundred percent. I agree. I think how is a guy. So I liked what you said about, I mean, how this is it, it, the competition continues through, but actually like dating and engagement, that was just a warm up. I like that. How you said that, because I think that that's a really good way of thinking about it. What are ways, I mean, even speaking more practically, that men can, if they found themselves getting into this mindset of laziness and kind of taking their wife for granted and not really pursuing her anymore, trying to be one with her, you know, when you get into these slumps, they kind of just become how you do things and you feel weird getting out of them. But what are some ways that you can, like, that men can actually, like, get out of these slumps and really start to try to pursue the, the, like the oneness, the, the complete oneness with the other person, not just the sexual oneness or, you know, um, what are ways that they can actually start to make some real, uh, changes in it and, um, advancements towards actually doing godliness and doing the right thing here. So I think it's simple one is what did you do to attract her in the first place? Yeah. You know, be that person. Yeah. Uh, go after her, encourage her. Um, one thing I, one of my mentors told me early on was, you know, flowers on holidays and, and special occasions are expected. Give them when they're not expected. Yeah. Do the special things for no reason. Why? Yeah. Because you love her. Right. Because it's not about Hallmark. Yeah. <laughs> it's about a choice of, of right. choosing to love this woman. Right. And so what annoys her? Stop it. Yeah. You know, if you got to yeah. pick up your underwear, pick up your underwear. Right. You know, right. put it in the laundry basket sure. and recognize that she probably sees that as a help to her. Right. Huh. Yeah. And, and what are those little things that you're annoying you know your annoying habits uh, right. ask now be careful because she'll probably tell you mm-hmm. and you can't get mad she's not nagging she's answering your question right so you might just want to ask for what's one annoying habit that <laughs> i right. can work on you know let's work on one at a time yeah um, what do you what do you assume she's going to do that's a big mm-hmm. thing in marriages early on the assumptions yeah. Well, of course she's going to do the dishes. Why? <laughs> Why is that yeah. an assumption? You ate off one of the plates too. Right. Probably more than she did. Probably. <laughs> and and probably messier than she was. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And so why is that an assumption? Did you ever talk mm-hmm. about it? Right. Why do you expect to walk into the kitchen and food's on the table? Yeah. You know, did you mm-hmm. talk about it? Yeah. Um, you know, well, can I ask, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, for, like, yes, yeah, so you're talking about communication. 
as I mean, we always on this podcast think that, you know, the men are the leaders of the household. And so what are ways that men can lead in having clear, good communication? Because that can become a, that can become an entire puzzle um, for men. I mean, like, because women are so different than us, sometimes we feel like we're communicating really clearly, but it is just not getting through. And so what are some ways that men can take leadership and be like, okay, here, here, I'm going to communicate this as as best as I can. And, and what does that look like? So I was speaking at the no regrets conference doing a workshop a couple of years ago and they asked me to yeah. do it on marriage. And so I had 150 guys in the room and, and I just said, okay, how many of you are salesmen? About half the guys hands went up mm-hmm. and I said, how do you make a sale? Mm-hmm. What do you have to know to be a good salesman? Mm-hmm. And one of the guys immediately said, you have to know who you're selling it to. You have to know what the need is. Yeah. You have to establish the need. You got to know your target. You got to know the need. Right. And then you, you sell. Right. One of the things every salesman has to do is take time to understand who's he selling to. Right. In communication and marriage, you have to take time to understand you're talking to a woman. Yeah. You're not talking to another guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a different topic. She handles, you know, emotions are tied to everything. She doesn't compartmentalize. These are general statements. Yeah, right. Um, And she cares about the relationship a whole lot more than you do. Right. You care about providing for the relationship and, and some of those things, but she cares about the relationship. Yeah. And she wants to handle things now. Right. Right. And... And that can vary with personalities and, you know, all the different variances, but in general, it's true. Yeah. And so, okay, so now we we got an idea of who we're talking to. Mm -hmm. Why do they need our product? Right. And and how does the product become acceptable to their need? Right. And we've got to think about those things. What am I providing that she needs? Well, I'm providing security. Mm-hmm. Am I acting? Am I talking? Am I behaving? Am I praying for her? Am I covering her in ways that provide security? Because that's one of the primary needs that a woman has. Mm-hmm. Trust. Mm-hmm. What am I doing that enforces her trust in me? Mm-hmm. If she says something that ticks me off, do I blow up in her face? Yeah. Do I punish her for it subtly? Um, do I try to win? Right. Or do I try to resolve things? Mm-hmm. You know, I, my definition of, of love is, is security, trust, and affection. Mm-hmm. Affection can be given without security and trust, but it's cheap. Yeah. Good affection is based on security and trust. Yeah. Then it's, it's free. It's freely given and it's, it's complete and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's why marital sex in a healthy marriage is so good. And one mm-hmm. man and one woman can enjoy it for 70 years. Right. Is because it's not based on the performance. It's, it's a celebration of the security of the marriage. Right. It's giving each fully giving yourself to someone and, and receiving back that fully. Right. That, that person that's 
uh, fully giving themselves to you. And so, you know, I think as a young uh, husband, you got to stop and think when there's conflict. You know, I've had people in my office, couples just yelling at each other and I'll go stop finally. And I'll just ask them a simple question. What are you arguing about? Mm-hmm. And I'll hand them a piece of paper and a pencil and ask them each to write down the one thing they're arguing about. I've never had any couple write down the same thing. Yeah. And they're trying to win something that the other one's not even fighting against. Right. And huh. and then the goal is just to win. Yeah. What are you arguing about? I don't know. So what are right. some questions you can deal with? Turn it into a conversation instead of a fight. Right. You know, what are right. we arguing about? Right. Let's come to terms with that first. Um, why is this important to you? Is a great one. Yeah. Um, example, when we moved, I found this, um, just this last year, this framed thing that said, welcome. Mm-hmm. I never really liked it. And I'd honestly never really looked at it. It had flowers around it and it was just kind of, yeah, you know, <laughs> And so I put it in the Goodwill basket. Uh-huh. And Nestle's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you like this? And she goes, my mother crocheted that. Gosh. That's and I looked mad. at it and it yeah. was so finely knotted that it looked like a print, but it was crocheted. Wow. And so my next question was, where do you want to hang it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's you know, good. Because it was yeah. important to her. And honestly, yeah. did it matter to me? Not really. Yeah. I could give her that one. Easy. Right. And so it hangs in our house and mm-hmm. it's fine. It says welcome. And it has yeah. meaning to her. It's one of the few things that she has for her mother. Her mother passed away a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. And so another good question is, okay, what do you want me to know? Yeah. Because we make all these assumptions. No, she right. must be talking about this. Probably not. Yeah, that's yeah. what the male mind would talk about. Right. That's not what the female mind would talk about. And it's usually not even close. It's usually like in a completely <laughs> different area altogether. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and so if you just stop and ask some questions, you're probably going to learn something. You're probably going to avoid. And honestly, guys, if you want to have sex at night, don't fight in the day. Mm hmm. Cause she's just going to wear her long flannel nighty and turn her back to you. And it's over. Go to sleep. Buddy. Yeah. yeah. Early in the seventies, there was a great little book called sex begins in the kitchen. It wasn't about kinky sex. Yeah. It was about <laughs> loving each other and being kind to each other during the day and fostering that love attitude. So it can be celebrated in the bedroom in the bedroom. Yeah. And, and the amazing thing was, Every chapter started with a scripture of just how we're supposed to treat each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, one the of the basic things, principles. Yeah. You yeah. know, somebody said to me once, you know, there's not a lot about marriage in the Bible. And I'm like, are you kidding? All the, the whole thing. mothers, everything about yeah. how we treat anybody. Right. Forgiveness, all that stuff has to do with marriage. Right. And they're like, oh, you know, yeah. and here's something that most guys don't want to hear. It's kind of like, is if you're both Christians, you're brothers and sisters in Christ. <laughs> yeah. 
that should define how you treat each other. Right. On top of that is the marriage. But the foundation mm -hmm. is you're Christians. Right. Should you treat anybody like that? Right. Should you listen to everybody? Should you care for them? Should you sacrificially give yourself for them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm going to be Christian in my marriage goes a long ways to build a really strong foundation and longevity. Mm -hmm. On top of that, you add the romance and the fun and the right. sex and, and the building something together and the family and the kids and all those things. Yeah. On a really solid right. foundation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, before we started recording this podcast, you and I were talking about, um, I mean, just like a Andrea and my marriage. And I think like one of the things that we talked about was trust. And I know you just, you brought up trust. And I, I think it would be something helpful to explore more in this podcast, uh, the idea of trust. I mean, we, we talked about it and I thought it was really helpful for myself. I think there's a lot of pe people who are, younger um like i told you beforehand that i think it's 93 percent of the people that listen to this podcast are between 18 and 35 and so they're right in that younger generation and i think i think there's been a lot of trust broken um because you got kids growing up with uh divorced families and parents mm -hmm. and just in broken families and had terrible relationships with with authority and with p their friends around them have left them and things like that and just there's a lot of pain and and hurt in my in, in my generation and, and the millennials and i'm wondering how you know in a, you get you you have those trust issues and then you get married and marriage is in a lot of ways built on the foundation of trust and how are you supposed to how can men i mean like myself be practicing trusting our wives thinking that they have the best in mind for us that they're trying to help us and that they're trying to um they're trying to you know, help us have a better relationship with God and, and just be better people rather than thinking that they're just, that they're just nagging at us or that they're, they're secretly devising a plan to ruin our lives or whatever it is, you know, like how can we build our life off, off of our marriage off of a foundation of trust, um, in a generation full of people who have had some, some terrible trust issues. So some of the questions I asked you when we were in having that conversation was, you know, one, do you love her? You said, yes. yes. Do you know that she loves you? Yes. Did yeah. she choose you? Yes. Did you choose mm -hmm. her? Yes. And so there's mm -hmm. the act of being married, getting married, brings with it a lot of choices that are in our favor. Mm -hmm. Now, early marriage is, we call it love, mm -hmm. but really it's, it's the formation of love. Mm -hmm. um, as I said earlier, you're marrying this stranger. You think you know them, yeah. but you don't know all of them. They don't know all of you. Mm -hmm. And the worst part of it is, and maybe the better, they're going to change. They're going right. to go through at least six iterations of who they are as a person right. before you die. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're your sweetheart and lover now and then baby comes along and hormones happen and things change right. and it's like, well, what about me? Mm. And then the house fills up and the kids are in the school and the schedule's crazy and you're trying yeah. to pay for it all. And it's like, what about me? <laughs> and yeah. then high school happens and 
they start to leave and then it's like, who are you? Yeah. Because you haven't built this relationship together, probably because you didn't trust that that other person was always there for you. Hmm. So you're always clawing to get in instead of recognizing you're in. Yeah. Act like it. Right. And, and just, and when you're saying that when you're in, that doesn't mean that it's always going to look the same at every step of the way, because being in when you have no kids is going to look way different than being in when you got five kids. And it's just going to be a different situation. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I wear a wedding ring like most wedded people do. Yeah. What my ring means to me is this. I'm married. Act like it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I need to look at that. Right. You know, and it's interesting. There's a a quote out of uh, Meaning of Marriage that Keller writes. Mm-hmm. And one of the most basic skills in marriage is the ability to tell the straight, unvarnished truth about what your spouse has done and then completely unselfrighteously and joyously express forgiveness without a shred of superiority, without making the other person feel small. Yeah. When we become to become one, there needs to be an honesty. Right. Because they see us as we are and we see them as they are mm-hmm. and it's like you know what i chose the mess as well as the beauty right and come to terms with that because you're probably more mess than she is right and and so the reason i said it's it's the formation of love is as you live with somebody you live with your wife or she lives with you over time you learn to love them. Right. You learn to love their idiosyncrasies. You learn to love, you learn to recognize that when they snap at you, unless you did something stupid and deserved it. Right. It's, it's probably something else. Pregnancy is a great illustration of that. Hormones flying around. They don't know what's going on in their bodies. It's first child. They're experiencing it we're left to watch and we're like, what's going on? You know, all right. I did was do this and you're all over. Me. Well, <laughs> you used to like this thing and now you don't like yeah, it. Well, yeah, that's, exactly. yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, I know she loves me. Right. I know she believes in me. So am I going to let that little thing get under my skin and cause a fight? When at the, at the end of the day, I know she's my wife and I love her. Right. Am I going to be selfish with this Mm -hmm. or am I going to give her some grace? Right. Am I going to extend my best to her or am I going to take it out on her because she didn't deliver? Right. Yeah. And and again, that comes back to who are you in Christ and what has Christ given you? He's given Mm -hmm. you grace. You don't get Mm -hmm. what you deserve. Right. But we want to extend only what people deserve. No. That's not grace. Right. When they do deserve something, we still give them grace. That's called mercy. Right. And we give yeah. them the benefit of the doubt. What's the doubt? They love me. Right. And so if it's sideways, I can ask, what's going on? How can I help you? Right. Thinking, okay, God, <laughs> I need help here. How can I extend right. to her exactly what she needs right now? Yeah. Right. Huh. And pray about it. If it's a union in front of Christ, then Christ wants to be involved. Involved. Hmm. 
So pray, ask, yeah. and then act yeah. Christian because you are one. Right. Don't yeah. act selfish because you're trying to kill that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that may, I mean, that makes sense. I think, um, let's, I, I want to shift over and then come back to, to some of the more that the marriage as a whole ideas, but let's shift over to, um, the ways that sometimes women can, can start to, to get off in this. I mean, I mean we talked at the beginning of the podcast about how women can start to, um, before they're married can start to, uh, create all these expectations for marriage. Um, and right now in our society, it's much worse because of social media and the way that, you know, you, people can paint their marriage. as this perfect marriage where nothing ever goes wrong and everything's perfect. And you put it on social media and the, these girls will see it and they'll be like, well, if that's what marriage is like, then I want that. And they'll go get married expecting that that's what it's going to be like. And then, and then like you say, they'll wake up and their husband smells like crap and they get into an argument an hour after that. And, you know, I think that the expectations, um, I, as I've seen has, have, have, I mean, everybody's got expectations, but I think women sometimes can romanticize things a little bit too much. And so what are some ways that women can, um, I guess after they're married and things haven't gone to their expectation, how can they reevaluate their, their view of marriage um, and, and kind of figure out a way to, to still work within this, with, within this messed up, I mean, with, with, with this messed up person and me being a messed up person too, like how can, how can they, I guess, refocused and re, recalibrate yeah that's the word i was looking for recalibrate their expectations for marriage um to make them a little bit more realistic i'm going to turn your question a little bit back at you cool ephesians 5 21 starts off the marriage big thing that paul gives yeah and he starts out submit to one another out of reverence for christ then he says mm-hmm. this thing that every man should fear Love your wife as Christ loves the church. Yeah. Here's why that should make all of us tremble who are male. Mm -hmm. It puts the onus on us for our wives response. Yeah. If, if I come into my marriage, choosing Christ first and allowing him to do the hard work of transforming me, and going along with it and becoming a better version of myself mm. and actually becoming more of the man that she thought I was dating. Right. And then she gets into this marriage and realizes I really am that guy. Yeah. How is she going to respond to me? Mm-hmm. Most of the time when marriages go wrong and it appears to be the woman's fault, it's a response to a guy who's not acting like a husband. Yeah. At least Mm -hmm. not in the way that Christ has called him to be a husband. Yeah. This is a very generalized statement. So if you're Mm -hmm. out there, don't send me a dirty note. (laughs) Women want to be loved. Yeah. And they define that love actually pretty well. Men yeah. don't love that way. Yeah. That's why Paul said, guys, don't act like you did out of the flesh. 
Right. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Well, to be honest, it killed him. Right. Him on a cross. Yeah. And when I love Estel in a self-sacrificial way, and I create an environment where she can flourish, guess what? It's going to be reciprocated probably. I'm a happy man. Yeah, right. In all kinds of different departments. Yeah. And I don't know if I fully believe this, but I I believe it pretty strongly in that 99% of most marriage issues are the man's fault. Yeah. And I I was just going to say that this, I mean, I I think this can even be played out for people who aren't married and just generally in the population. Like one theory that I've had is that if, if, if men in our society and culture, which like obviously stop watching porn and stop sexualizing everybody, like the women would stop sexualizing themselves because the, I mean, naturally I believe that like men lead in that way. And if men lead in a poor way, then you're going to get women who sexualize themselves and, and treat themselves terribly like our culture right now. And I think it plays itself out. Like, I don't think that this is just like a marriage thing. I think it is for marriage, but I think that it can play itself out outside of marriage too, whether you're just a person and like, and you're not married and you're a guy, like the way that you treat women and the way that you, you think about women can have a large effect on how um, the women around you flourish or wilt in, the, yeah. in those ways. I had a funny experience at the Capitol one day. I walked in, there was a senator woman uh, walking in behind me, and I opened the door for her. Mm-hmm. And she said, don't you think I can open the door for myself? I said, I'm sure that you can. She goes, and why did you do it? I said, because I think women are amazing and I value you. Mm-hmm. And she just stopped and she know what to say. She's like, yeah. oh, thank you, and walked in. <laughs> you know, it's... Now, why did I do that? One, I was taught that way, but also in love, preferring one another. Mm-hmm. I open doors for guys too, right. just because I'm preferring one another. Yeah. I'm just trying to be Christian. I'm just right. trying to say, hey, you're made in the image of God. You're worth preferring. Right. And practicing that out as many ways as I can. Yeah. Um, I lost my, my thought. Um, well, I think we were talking about how the men, you said that 99% of problems in marriage are the man's fault. And that. Yeah, so leadership is a funny word. We think it means to lord over. We know that it's not what it means, but it's how we act. <laughs> yeah. And tyranny. That's, it feels like tyranny a little bit. Yeah. And, and it's not. Leadership is just being aware mm-hmm. and, and guiding. You know, mm-hmm. probably the best. I think the best example of leadership that we have a pretty good picture of is a coach. Yeah. And you're influencing, you're, you're, you're helping understand, but you're not really the player. Yeah. Um, hmm. People are free to express their gifts. They're free to do these things. Right. But the leader is, is aware of what's going on. It's aware of what plays are going to be called. It's aware of people's abilities and skills. And he works it all together for good. When right. we're the leader in our home, um, example of this, we first got married, my dad took care of the finances. So I'm like, okay, the guy's supposed to take care of the finances. Guess what? You don't want me doing math. And so for me taking care of my own personal finances was $500 in the bank. This was in 74 or 77. That was zero. So I just kept a running total in my head and that was always fine. 
yeah. we were married, I married a gal who does everything to the penny. Yeah. So back in the days when everybody had a checkbook, the first month she goes, did the bank statement come? I didn't know the bank sent a statement. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. I'll look. Um, second month, she's like, where's the checkbook? I give it to her and she goes, where's the ledger? I'm like, what's the ledger? Yeah. And she's like, you don't know exactly how much from your bank statement, what's in your account, what's outstanding. No. So the third month of marriage, I'm trying to learn all this because I'm just trying to be the good guy. Yeah. It was hell for me for like three <laughs> months. Finally, month six, she goes, do you want me to do the checkbook? I'm like, please, Jesus. You know? Yeah. And, and it's been happy ever since. Right. It's her skills. That's what she's good at. Right. Uh, I'm not. And so we learn to play to our strengths and cover our weaknesses. Right. We both have both. Yeah. That's leadership. Yeah. That's working all things together for good. It's right. not lording over. Yeah. It's recognizing there are times when I need her up front because, man, she's great at this. And I'm going to be right. her biggest fan. Yeah. Like, it's reversed. Right. The best, I think like the best like leadership, like you're talking about are not people who are able to do it all, but I think it's people who are able to see that they can't do it all and then find the person who can really do well at the thing that they can't do yeah. well. And it's um, also cultivating the gifts that maybe aren't fully visible, but are present. Yeah. Right. Well, you're really good at this. Right. And stepping back so that they can flourish in it. They can have to, opportunity. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So what do you think? Obviously, I mean, I agree with you. I think that it's a lot of it. A lot of these situations come down to a wake up call for, for men to start leading in a way that's not too forceful. Um, but there's also the men who will give up the leadership completely. And I think we've seen that more in these younger generations where, where the men are just kind of just like, yeah, I'm just going to play video games and, and eat, you know, whatever crap food that they can get their hands on. And, and, you know, the wife will take care of everything else. And that's been destructive. I mean, because then it puts the women into a situation where they're having to do more than they even have the capacity to do. Um, but in, in the Christian church, they can, I think that some sort of guilt can start to, to build up in the women because they know that they're supposed to submit to their husband in certain ways. And, um, and to do, and, and to do like, and to respect their husband as a leader, but the husband is not actually leading. So it becomes this like weird cycle of dysfunction. And so what are we, well, I mean, what would you say to a young man who's, who's just plain lazy and just, uh, and, and is not leading at all? Yeah. Come to my office and we'll do a little two by four therapy. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, you know, a man will walk into a room and see a mess and sit down. Yeah. A woman yeah. will walk into the room and clean it up and then sit down if there's time. Right. One of the things I said earlier, she cares a lot about the relationship. She also cares about the home or the environment that the relationship is happening in. Mm -hmm. And, and so you mentioned, you know, you're supposed to submit to your husband. The reference was submit as you do to Christ who died right. for you. 
Yeah. And along the line, now guys act like that. So your wife can submit and be safe, not just right. be safe, but flourish. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the context of submit. Mm-hmm. You get to be safe. You get to be nourished. You get to have the ability to flourish. Mm-hmm. That's easy to be a partner in. Right. Right. So guys, stop making it so difficult. Act yeah. like a man. Mm-hmm. You know, what should it be to be a man? Yeah. Well, it means that are you providing an environment that other people can, can grow up in? Right. Are you being a model? Of, mm-hmm. of Christ not if you're yeah. sitting on your butt I had a young couple where he was playing video games six hours a night she could come out in the best negligee she could find he'd look at her and go back to video games I can't believe it <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah that's that blows my mind so, you know put in, in its place put football put sports put yeah, sure. fishing put right Porn, put yeah. whatever you want to there. Right. And if you're going to get married, take care of your marriage first. Right. And then enjoy something on your own time. Right. But if marriage is a two way thing ending up in a oneness, mm-hmm. it's going to be lopsided if, if you're not acting. Like Christ, mm-hmm. like Paul said, you should act, and Christ allows us to be because of His presence within us. Right. You know, it's yeah. You need to just have a good conversation with your spouse and say, "Hey, mm-hmm. this isn't working." Right. Now, yeah, I want you to be the best version of you that you can be. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to nag you about it, but I'm going to pray about it. But we are going right. to talk about it. Right. Right. You know. So. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And where do you want to start? You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not going to all change once, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. if, if one of the things that happens is God uses our spouse to help shape us into the person he's called and created us to be to our potential. Yeah. One of the things Estel still says about me is she said, I pray for Mike every day and I love the man God is making him to be. Mm-hmm. Guess what? The woman has never nagged at me. She's mm-hmm. never put me down. She's never said a cross word to me mm-hmm. because she prays for me every day. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to go after somebody you're praying for. And who can yeah. change my heart? Her? No. no. But God can. So she's mm-hmm. put me in the right place. Mm-hmm. If your husband's like that, put him in the right place in God's hands and get on your knees. Because mm-hmm. that's the most powerful position that you can have. Mm-hmm. And let him know you're praying for him. Yeah. And you're not praying that he does this or that. You're praying that God makes him into the man that God intended him to be. Because that's mm-hmm. the man you want to be married to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think... Um, I think that leads into the uh, kind of the next section, I think, to talk about uh, obviously how and we, we, you've you've mentioned all this throughout this podcast, but explicitly how the gospel of Jesus is 
inherently tied to marriage. Like what we always, everybody says it and it's kind of become like a cliche thing in the church. Now it's like marriage is a representation of the gospel, but like, I don't feel like there's actually, sometimes I don't feel like that's actually like, like explicitly explained. Like how is that, how is marriage actually a representation of the gospel of Jesus? Um, Cause Jesus wasn't married and Jesus's life was crazy and he was killed by people. Um, you know, so like when you say it, you're like, oh yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. But then when you actually think about it, it can be a little bit more confusing. So how is marriage a representation of the gospel? It's a good question. Um, I mentioned earlier that, you know, you're marrying a stranger, you think you know her. One of the things that, that Jesus did on the cross was he died for people who didn't like him. He died for strangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, in that, he rose again and he lived such a life that it was appealing to that stranger. And we ended up, as the strangers, falling in love with Jesus because right. he, he loved us first. Yeah. And that's an amazing feat to take somebody who is almost in opposition and turning them into somebody that loves you. They would actually give up things for you. Mm-hmm. Marriage in a, in a way is a reflection of that. Um, I don't know this person and I really don't know the person that they're going to become. Mm-hmm. I'm banking on, I'm going to like them. Um, yeah but I'm going to choose to love them in such a way that's winsome. Hmm. I'm going to choose to love them in such a way that it may not turn out to be all for me. It might turn out to be for them. One of the friends that uh, Estelle grew up with got married. They'd been married just, I think, and I might have my facts a little bit wrong, but I think they'd been married less than a year. Hmm. And she was this outgoing, vivacious, fun personality and she got mm-hmm. kicked in the head by a horse. They owned a ranch and it completely changed her personality when she came out of her coma. Wow. She was an introvert. Uh, she didn't recognize him. Wow. And, and so here he is a, a newlywed and he has, he takes home this woman huh. who the only thing that he knows for sure is he married her. Yeah. He doesn't know her at all and she huh. doesn't recognize him but they're married. Yeah. Now, I don't know if I could do what he did. He said, okay, I married you for better or for worse. I don't know where this is going. (laughs) 40 years later, Hmm. they're a great couple and they do all kinds of wonderful things for others. And God has richly blessed them. And it was a hard 10 years. Yeah. And, and he chose to love because mm-hmm. he had made that commitment. He had made that covenant before God. Mm-hmm. And he believed the covenant more than he liked his wife. Yeah. Or the new mm-hmm. person. Yeah. He really wasn't that fond of her because mm-hmm. it wasn't the same woman. Yeah. But he chose huh. and, and he learned to love the stranger. Now. Yeah. How is that possible without Christ? 
Right. How's that yeah. possible without, you know, it was an illustration of giving himself up for somebody right. who was a foreigner. Yeah. I feel like that's so counter the, the modern. I mean, we talked about the idea of the people talk about like marriage being what's going to make me happy. And yeah. that seems just so the opposite of, of ha- like making you happy. I mean, I know, I know people who, I mean, my parents who just, I, I know this is something I said in pr- previous podcasts, but um, th- my mom, I mean, my parents' marriage were just, it was just so terrible when they got married. They dated for like three months and they went to Chicago and eloped and they're both brand new Christians from extremely dysfunctional families. Like everything mm-hmm. was a mess. And yeah. it was, and my mom had already had a kid with another guy and so it was just all a complete mess. And, and in that first year or two, I think my mom, my mom says that she used to pray because she knew that divorce was wrong because she grew up Catholic. She used to pray mm-hmm. that my dad would die. And I, I think it's funny. I mean, it's messed. It's super messed up. But obviously she knows that. But it's funny. I always thought it was funny. It was like, you know, instead of instead of just getting divorced, you pray that they die. You know, that one just seems worse. Like you, th- you know, the divorce is wrong, but you're justifying praying that someone's dying. But the, the point is like, and, and like, they like, she didn't, they didn't want to be married. They didn't like each other very quickly or very early on in their marriage, but they, they both understood the principle of, of marriage and the idea that like they had committed to this thing and they had committed to Jesus in this way and that they were going to work through this. And like to this day, my mom and dad are different in a lot of ways. Like they don't, they don't enjoy the same things. And like, if they could do it all over again, maybe they would have married somebody else who they like got along with better or something like that, or had more in common with. But at the end of the day, they, I mean, it was like they did 10 years or 15 years of marriage counseling and worked through these things. And I think, I think that that sort of resiliency, I don't think that you see that a lot in, in, in younger people. And, and I think, that's that's what makes me nervous about marriage for my generation. I, I don't want to see the divorce rates continue to go up. I don't in the church and outside of the church. Yeah. Um, and and I feel like that because of the philosophy of making me happy, that that you have a lot of people who justify in the church and that being like, yeah, well, I guess I am not happy, so I, I guess we can just kind of kind of end this thing right here and go find something that makes us happier. And so. Um, you know, how can we combat that idea in our head that how can we come up against that idea in our head of, of happy that this marriage is going to make me happy when a lot of times in marriage, we're just not going to feel that way. So back to the gospel and back to Ephesians five twenty one, Yeah. Which is the verse that starts off the marriage thing. Yeah. Submit yourselves one to another in, in honor of Christ. In other right. words, as Christ did this, and it worked out pretty well in the same manner, submit to each other. Mm-hmm. I'm not submitting to your lordship. I'm submitting to your betterment. Yeah. I'm submitting to my betterment with you. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that Keller wrote, he said, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To yeah. be known and not loved is our greatest fear. To be fully known and truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. Yeah. One of the things the gospel does is, is it sets us free from ourselves yeah. and you know, allows us to live 
in true freedom and truly right. live um, without guardrails. Right. And in a marriage, um, when I come to it with that attitude, I'm not here to get. Right. You said earlier, you know, love is reciprocal. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to a two-year-old and put your arms out to them, typically, unless they're having one of those days, they put their arms up to you because it's a natural thing to respond to kindness. It's a natural thing to respond to love. Yeah. So be loving, be yeah. kind, right. You know, be the Christian virtues. They mm-hmm. go a long ways in marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, you know, are you the person that that person thought they were marrying? Mm-hmm. Are you becoming the person God would like you to be? He intended you to be. Yeah. Um, am I in it for my gain? Right. What if I'm in it for your gain? Mm-hmm. What will I get out of it? Probably everything you desire. Mm-hmm. Because there is that reciprocalness of love. Right. And... But even now, I mean, you mentioned that story about the girl who got, who, who, who her whole personality changed after she got hit in the head. Like maybe you don't get it every, everything that you thought or desired, but maybe you get out of it more. Like, like there's situations where you get, you, like you think that you've got the thing in your head yeah. all planned out and you know what exactly you want. And then I think God will be like, you don't even know what you want. Like you think that you know what you want, but I know what you want. And I'm going to give you what you want um, even better than what you thought you want. So I, I think like setting that expectation of sacrifice without the expectation of getting what I want might be helpful. I don't know. Maybe. Let me tell you a different story. So yeah, Estelle uh, started playing the piano when she was three. She would come home and just copy the song she heard on the piano and she'd plunk them out. Yeah. And, uh, so she started piano lessons and she was the pianist in high school and she was, she won some national competitions and, and, uh, she got to college. She was a pianist and we went to, we get married. She thinks the only thing she can do is a piano. Now I'm a cheerleader for people. I love to see people grow. I'm not always the flowery cheer, cheerleader. Yeah. But I will come alongside you, as, as you know, yeah, um, right. and believe in you. And, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. But I want you to succeed. And, and I've told you this before, Andy. I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you've yeah. just grown. I said to you before we, mm-hmm. we started this, you've grown so much over the last couple of years. And I've just mm-hmm. been really proud of you. Got some ways to go, but you're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so. I'm married to this woman who she makes this birthday cake for Jocelyn when she's like two. And she, we got this, she like Mickey Mouse. And so she's got this napkin and it's got Mickey Mouse character doing something. And sure. Estelle looks at it and draws it on this cake. And it looks identical to the napkin. Yeah. And I'm like, that's amazing. And she goes, what? She had no idea she was artistic. Yeah. No idea. And 20 years later, she delivered a uh, wedding cake to the Space Needle, beat out some of 
Seattle's top bakers and really? delivered this castle. It was gorgeous. And everybody really? was in Oz over it. And she's like, oh, it's nothing. You know, and she's this great baker and artister, artistry yeah. and this cake. And she yeah. had an album of all these cakes. But she didn't know that was wow. in her until I began to encourage her and applaud her. Right. Yeah. And huh. and now she teaches piano and I love to listen to her because it's amazing what she can pull out of these second, third, fourth graders, even a couple moms that are now she hears something and she can nitpick it apart, but in such a way that's encouraging to them and drawing the gift out. Yeah. What if we looked at each other as husband and spouse and said, husband and wife, how can I help draw out your gifts? Right. For the good of you and the good of others. Hmm. How can I come alongside what's really good in you? Mm-hmm. what you enjoy doing and help it to flourish. Right. Mm-hmm. That becomes fun. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes what you yeah. do on your day off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and right. Esther loves flowers and gardening. And so mm-hmm. this weekend, you know, we planted 56 plants mm-hmm. about killed me. <laughs> yeah. But our neighbor drives by and says, Hey, your yard's looking great. Yeah. You know, and it felt good. Now, yeah. I didn't go say, hey, we should do this. She did. Right. But I'm, I'm benefiting from it. I enjoy order. Yeah. I enjoy beauty. Yeah. And the yard's going to look great. Right. And so we, we benefit from finding the gift in our spouse. Right. And creating the environment where they can flourish. And that just happens to be what Ephesians 5 is talking about. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Husbands. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Go ahead. Sorry. That's no, it's fine. Go ahead. No, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's I think it's rarely explained that way, um, because I think marriage can just become something in the church that's expected, and rather than some, I mean, it is, and it should be expected, but rather than like, I, I don't know. I, I I really just hear it explained like you just explained it, and I think that that's important for young people to hear including myself, um, the idea of drawing things out of your wife and, and out of your husband and, and, and finding their giftings because you can, it's just so easy to get stuck into the, into this mindset of, of just, you know, you're going through the motions, you're doing your job, you know, you're not going on dates, you're not doing things like that. And you forget that this is a person. I mean, it's just to be completely honest, like you just forget that this is a human being that God made who like, has a bunch of really cool things about them. That's the why you married them. And, and yet you very quickly can just forget that and, and keep doing your own thing, you know? Yeah. And, and, and the basics are so important, you know, love one another, encourage one another, speak well of one another. But something yeah. else we haven't talked about is, is just being true to Christ. Mm-hmm. That gives you the platform in your daily walking with him to be a great husband or, or wife. Yeah. I used to say, and Estel corrected me, um, that since I've known Estel, which has been 47 years, um, there hasn't been one day where she wasn't in God's word. She told mm-hmm. me that there was one day. 
Uh, yeah. And what would I expect out of my own life if every day started with God's word? Mm-hmm. When we were early married, I'd get high, you know, highest in there. I was, I was right and you were wrong. And, and she yeah. would, instead of arguing with me, she would ask me, have you been in the word today? Yeah. And that just infuriated me because <laughs> I wanted to win the argument. Right. And I'm a pastor and she's like, you know, questioning me, my spirituality. And you were playing, you were playing checkers and she was playing chess. I mean, yeah. she was like, and yeah, I'm like, no, she goes, well, I think you need to go spend some time with Jesus. Yeah. And she'd walk off, you know, and yeah. it just made me matter that I knew she was right. So yeah. I'd begrudgingly go find my Bible and sit down and read it and right. pray. And the amazing thing that happened was my attitude changed. Yeah. Huh. And uh, one day after a couple of years, I said, why do you ask me that? It irritates me. She said, yeah. because I want you to be the best version of you. Yeah. Because without Christ, you're scary. Yeah. I didn't, I don't want to marry the man without Jesus, hmm. but with Jesus, yeah. I believe I give my life for you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And that really hit home. Mm-hmm. And and ever since then, I've tried to be the man that God created me to be, because mm-hmm. I love my wife. Yeah. I love Jesus too, right? And I want to be obedient to Him. But it's given me this amazing life with Estal, right? Who, like I said, has never yelled at me. People find that hard to believe. <laughs> I mean, if they meet Estel, they might, <laughs> they, they, maybe they find it hard to believe because you're crazy, but she's, she's quiet. I mean, she's quieter. So that's, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, she's just, her foundation doesn't get shook. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's one thing I was going to say. And when Andrew and I were doing um, marriage counseling with you guys, we were just like, there's like a, how do I, the, the best way that I can explain it about your guys's marriage is that there's some sort of like calm, but like secure, just like security. I don't know. Calm security. It's like, it's like, uh, it doesn't feel like anything's going to really rattle you guys off. And like, you guys aren't going to be like, Oh, Holy cow. Like I did was not expecting that. Like you guys just, there just seems to be some sort of calm security that like when we would get done meeting with you guys, we'd be like, take a deep breath and we'd be like, okay, things aren't whatever. I mean, if we were frustrated with each other or whatever, it was like, nah, you know, we, we can make it through this man. And so I, I think that's a test, obviously a testament to all, all what you're, what you're saying today. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just thought of that when you said that about, about us still, because I think it's a, I think it's a testament. It just is, that's what we're striving to get. I mean, we want to be, like that in the, in the sense that there's, that there's a security and not that everything's going to be perfect all the time, but that you're just not going to let all, you're not gonna let the sins of the world, the destruction of the world, just come in between you and, and your wife and your relationship with God. And I think that's, that's a very difficult thing, but yeah. And yeah. let me wrap it up with this. You know, you yeah. God is the gospel, you know, fit into marriage. 
what you just described is not possible between two people that don't know Christ. Mm -hmm. And we're called to be ambassadors to the world. We're called to be these, this outpost of light. We're called to be something different. You know, and right now the culture thinks marriage is old fashioned and it's not necessary. So what do we do? We don't yell at them. We have the best marriages possible so they can see that we're right. Right. It it proves in the pudding. And and here's why. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the big things that's plaguing the world right now, especially Western culture, is isolation and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's Philippians 4, 5, the last part of 5, starting into 6. It says, the Lord is near, be anxious for nothing. Mm-hmm. When you weave Christ into everything in your life, and there's a fabric of faithfulness to him. Mm-hmm there's a foundation that can't be shaken. Yeah. And you have to work at it. You have to be obedient. Yeah. You have to open up the word of God, even when you don't care about it, you right. still do it. Yeah. And because it's wisdom, it's life. It's, mm-hmm. it's knowing about God so you can know God. And, yeah. and then it's the walking it out. It's the obedience of, of being a Christian, following Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what? I love being married to a Christian woman who knows yeah. Jesus and loves him and follows him. First, she loves Jesus more than she loves me. Mm-hmm. And I get the benefit of that. Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah. marriage. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I think this is great. I think... I think this is everything that I wanted this podcast to be. I think that was very encouraging. I think, yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, do you don't, I mean, do you have anything else you want to say before we wrap it up or is that kind of, no, all, it's, what you know, it's an art form. You're not going to do it all, yeah. all right. Like I said, we married 46 years. Right. And in the first, that was a, but, you know, and yeah, and God gave me this incredibly strong woman right. who would put up with me, pray for me, yeah. gently correct me, love me anyway. Right. And yeah. I became a strong man. Yeah. Huh. And yeah. and that was God's doing through her. Yeah. And and she'll say the same thing about me to her. She was didn't didn't know who she was. She was you know, thought she was just this one thing and she didn't blossom until we got married because I believed in her. I trusted her. Mm-hmm. I trusted the gifts that God gave her. I curated those yeah. out of her because uh, she's a beautiful, wonderful woman. Mm-hmm. And I still send her flowers when I don't need to. Mm-hmm. I buy her things when she doesn't need them mm-hmm. because I love her. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Why would I want to argue with the woman that I take to bed every night. That's mm-hmm. not smart. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And yeah. why would I want to make up or, you know, wake up to somebody who's mad at me? Right. I don't like that. I enjoy the morning. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, I say I'm going to bed and before I know it, she's gone in and pulled the covers back and made the bed ready to get in. Yeah. And she'll take a glass of water and put it in there. And I don't ask her to, but she knows that, I like a glass of water by the bed. Yeah. You just do the things that work. Right. And give yeah. the glory to God. Yeah. Take the blame when it's, you screw it up. Mm-hmm. Give the good stuff to God. 
Yeah. He's, he's in the middle of it. And he's working. Thanks for uh, talking about this today, Andy. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we can just end it right there. I mean, I think that was great and I appreciate you coming on and I know for, for Optiv and for, I mean, engage and equip as this is reposted on engage and equip podcast as part of high point church. I think you'll, you'll probably be on more often now as I'm, I'm trying to put together a schedule for that. Um, Cause I, I realized that you sometimes have some good things to say. No. Yeah, <laughs> Every once in a while. No, I think you'll be coming on more. um, But yeah, we appreciate you coming on. And, um, you know, if you listen to this and you enjoyed it or uh, you have any, if you want to ask Mike any questions, I mean, you can, you can reach out to him. Um, He works at High Point Church and um, whether it's marriage questions or things, or if you're, you're going to get married and you want to do marriage counseling or premarital counseling, I'm I'm sure Mike and us will be happy to do that. Um, But, but if if you like this new, or you listen to this and you enjoyed it, make sure you like subscribe, follow us with your friends and give us a five-star rating and we'll see you guys in the next one. Goodbye.